You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. I do apologize for the last two days. The episode's coming out late. Yesterday was, um, that was just my bad. I was up so late recording that when I told it to publish tomorrow at 4 a.m., I didn't realize that it was already the next day. So once I found that out, I had to change the uh, the time. Today, I'm home, so I decided to take another day, especially since yesterday was a little nuts. Didn't really have time. I barely got packing it after dark done by 10, and I was like, I'm not staying up to do the other podcast. So um, here's the deal. As you could probably tell by the title, we're not doing what I said we were going to do today, and I apologize for that. couple things. I told you we were going to do laughing at the enemy. We will. But there were two conflicting problems. Number one, we always do the whole PFF follow-up thing the next day. So I tried to decide, should we do the follow-up thing, PFF thing on Wednesday, so we can get laughing at the enemy in? Because I kind of didn't want to wait too long, because it's like, all right, we're kind of trying to move on to Tampa, but we're going back and laughing. But the tiebreaker for me, aside from the fact where I still wanted to go out and find more clips, was the fact that... I watched the Minnesota Vikings collapse in epic fashion and said, nope, we're going to do PFF and um, I'm going to spend some time finding clips for the Vikings and we're going to do this thing right on Wednesday. So today we're going to go back and recap some of the things we saw, but refine it a touch. And I think we're going to have a, like a separate day to kind of, SAS is new this year, so I got to get back into a new rhythm. They still don't have any information up for this week aside from, um, Chargers, Chiefs, Giants, and Panthers. That's it so far. So I got to remind myself to go back and look at some of the data that they have. But anyways, that's what we're doing today. I want to start off the show, though, by uh, thanking Tommy. I already said thank you to Vicky, but thank you again. Thank you guys very much for jumping in on the Patreon. I really do appreciate that. If you want to help support the show, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Um, well, first of all, the Green Bay Packers were ranked, I want to say, the um, third worst team in football via PFF. We've jumped up to 16th after that last performance, which is very similar to what happened last year, right? I think we were dead last after week one last year, and then we started climbing. Same with Aaron Rodgers. He was, I think, the 
In fact, I know he was the lowest ranked quarterback in football. And you kind of dig your way out. It takes you a couple weeks to dig your way out of that when you're the worst. You don't go from worst to first in one week, but he um, slowly climbed his way back from that. Chicago Bears still dead last. I, this isn't technically laughing at the enemy, but we're going to do it a little bit. The other thing that makes me happy, the Minnesota Vikings um, were ranked the number one team, even over the Buffalo Bills. No way in the world that stays like that. And Kirk Cousins was one of the quarterbacks ranked higher than um, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is, I don't know, 10th-ish. That ain't going to hold up. Buffalo was the highest-graded team, and I have no expectation of that changing. That's beginning to look like the best football team we've ever seen in NFL history, but <laughs> we'll, we'll hold off and see how that goes over the next couple weeks. Oh, and by the way, this is kind of hilarious. I'm just curious about points scored. I think Buffalo might be number one now. I think, what do they get, 40-some-odd points or something? Doesn't matter. Number one right now until Buffalo updates. You know who it is? Kansas City Chiefs at 71 points, and tied with them is the Detroit Lions, <laughs> 71 points. Holy cow. Unfortunately for them, they have given up the second most points of any team. So it's kind of like I expected. I didn't think their offense would be quite this good. Although, again, I think week one was a little bit of uh, garbage points, but we'll see. But defense is like one of the worst in football. So there you go. Although they seem to be a little better last week. I don't know. But anyways, let's just uh, dive right in looking at the offense. As I said, if Aaron Jones doesn't have an elite grade, I don't know what an elite grade is, and he does. He has a 90.1 overall grade. In fact, let me just see what his some of his highest grades are historically. Last year, his highest grade was an 88.1, also in Week 2, so he is a Week 2 superstar. 2020, he also had a great Week 2, but 89.1 was his highest in Week 13. Oh, jeez, 2019. He's, so he's, he's very up and down, and, and that actually kind of makes sense. And if this trend holds up, I would not expect him to continue what he did week two throughout the season. He has like two, three, four, five kind of big games, but the rest are pretty quiet. But anyways, 2019, he had three big games, 88, 90.3 in week 14 against Washington, and then against Kansas City week eight, 94.7. So definitely not his best grade, but um, it's his best since 2019, that's for sure. Um, Actually, quite a few people that had um, really good grades, almost almost half the team. And by really good, I just mean 70 or higher. But lately, what we've been seeing is, you know, two, one or two or three or maybe four. We've got eight, actually, because two of them tied. And a couple linemen, which is nice. John Runyon and Yash Nyman, both with 70.0 overall grades. Mercedes Lewis was sixth. A.J. Dillon, fifth. Uh, with a 73, and then it really jumps up. Sammy Watkins with an 80.7 overall grade. I want to look at that a little bit closer in a second. Aaron Rodgers with an 83.5 overall grade. Randall Cobb with an 85.3. And then, uh, again, Aaron Jones with a 90.1. The other really positive thing, because there's two aspects of being a good football team. Number one is a lot of good, and number two is not a lot of bad, and there wasn't. Um, as far as what I would consider really low grades, the only one was Royce Newman at a 49.6. Everything else was right at average. Josiah, who was the highest last week, was one of the lowest this week, and he had a 56.2, so high 50s, which is to say just below average. Um, Elton Jenkins, who, um, as I said, I didn't think had a super great day, and even the way the interviews went where they praised Elton, it didn't sound like it was praised based on his play. It was just based on him being on the field battling back. So he he came back rusty. There's no question about it, which is actually, in my opinion, a good thing. 
because we know Elton Jenkins is a premier left tackle or tackle. And um, so that means that you would expect improvement. Uh, we'll get into the specifics of what he did, but a 58 overall grade. Tyler Davis, 58. And then we're right back with 60.0. So only four guys were below average. Three of those four were barely below average. Uh, Royce was the one that was in the bad category, and it was just below 50 at 49.6. Amari Rogers played one snap on offense. I didn't even notice it. He was in the slot, and he was run blocking. I don't, I don't know that I even understand the purpose of that, to be honest, but um, it's a thing, I guess. He had a 60 overall grade, obviously. Um, Robert Tunyon, 62. Alan Lazard, 62. Josh Myers, 64. Romeo Dobbs, 64-9. Christian Watson, 66-9. So just solid. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody's average. And then, you know, half the team is just about average, and half the team was good to great. And, and you know, of the half that was good, half of those guys were very good, one of them even cracking elite. So the point is, this is, this is the overall construct of what a really good-looking offense looks like. Uh, a little bit of the specifics. Actually, I said I wanted to look at Sammy Watkins' 80.7 overall grade. So far, he's at a 69.9 overall grade, which, you know, isn't super great because he had a 57 last week, but that's still his highest grade since uh, his second year in Kansas City in 2019. But his his uh, 80.7 or whatever grade it was, that's the highest grade he's had since week one of 2020 when he had an 84.3 overall grade. And he only had one of those that year. So maybe this is his one and only good game of the year. I don't know, but he's on track to having his best season since, I don't know, a long time ago. A um, couple nuanced stats from Aaron Rodgers that we haven't seen yet. We've already seen, I mean, 76% uh, completion percentage is extremely high. Adjusted completion percentage, 82.6. But two big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy plays is um, a fantastic margin that you're looking for. Zero drops, by the way, in this game. Uh, 2.64 is his time to throw. One of the best stats I've seen from Aaron Rodgers in a long time. He had a 78 overall grade when he was under pressure, which was uh, about eight of his dropbacks, which is about 27%, which I think is, I haven't really done this enough to, or really paid attention enough to know, but I feel like 25% seems kind of normal percentage of your dropbacks. But um, of his four attempts he was able to make, Three of them were completed, 75% completion percentage while under pressure for 59 yards, including one big-time throw and obviously no turnover-worthy plays. That's a 116.7 passer rating while under pressure. Rodgers does not do very well under pressure, but he did fine in this game. Uh, play action absolutely crushed it. He had a 72-ish grade with no play action, a 90 overall grade with play action, 8 of 11, 116 yards and a touchdown, 136.9 uh passer rating uh, his grades as far as depth clearly the deeper the better which is usually the case but on short to behind the line of scrimmage it was actually subpar kind of grades but three for three on passes from 10 to 19 yards for 53 yards deep passes which is 20 or more yards um he was two for three for 75 yards 93.3 pass uh passing grade 109.7 passer rating Looking at the receivers, we looked at their overall grades. As far as their receiving grades go, um, Randall Cobb had the highest receiving grade. He was 3-for-3 three for, three for 37 yards, but an 87 overall receiving grade. It's another one where I just I can't imagine the last time he would have had a grade that high as a receiver. Maybe he had a sneaky one last year, and he did. He actually had two. Uh, week 4 against 
Pittsburgh, he had a 90 overall grade. Week 12 against LA, 87 overall grade. So he has about two of those a year. So sweet. I hate for all our guys to burn up their one good games a year on the same day, but, <laughs> you know. And then Sammy Watkins had a, or excuse me, Aaron Jones was the second highest receiver on the grade with an 81.9. Sammy Watkins, 78.9. Nobody else was even at 70, but Christian Watson was the next highest at 68. Romeo Dobbs, 64. Lazard, 63. Tunyon, 62. And then A.J. Dillon actually had a 55.3, a pretty low grade for him characteristically. He doesn't usually have a low grade receiving at all. I don't know if it was the bobbled catch, which I don't know. I don't know how they grade, but in my mind, it's it's a negative that he didn't catch it, but a positive that he caught the second time, so it kind of cancels itself out for me. But I can't really recall what else he did wrong, but I guess I didn't see him run all his routes and everything. Um, pretty interesting little tidbit, and I don't know if this is just because they were constantly using the guy in motion, but the second highest usage in the slot was Christian Watson, 66.7%, which is actually kind of low for him. Christian Watson, 62.5% from the slot. That seems impossible, but it seems like a, well, I mean, a lot of it probably has to do with matchups against the Chicago Bears and just moving your pieces around and the full understanding of what that does for them. I don't really know, but Again, if, you're, if your goal is we're primarily going to use him in motion, then, you know, it kind of makes sense. But very surprised by that. Tunyon was next, which is not surprising. And then nobody else even cracked 30%, so it's not really worth talking about, other than to say Sammy Watkins was the least used in the slot, which, again, does make sense. He is purely an outside guy. Yards per route run, probably one of the better receiving stats. Uh, Sammy Watkins, 5.17 yards per route run, which is very good. For reference, Devontae Adams uh, in week one had 3.44. Week two against Arizona, 0.3. His average yards per route run right now is 1.89. At his peak in Green Bay, he was in the twos. 2.12, 2.61, 2.75, 2.81. Just, I'm, I'm not saying he's better than Devontae, obviously. I'm just saying, because Devontae's probably had several in the fives. But what I am saying is... Just for context, that's what a really good receiver looks like. If you're getting two some odd yards every single time you run a single route, that's elite wide receiver territory. And Devontae is not doing that right now in, in Las Vegas. But Sammy right now, 2.41 average. Uh, Randall Cobb at 3.08, Aaron Jones 2.11, and Romeo Dobbs at 2.08. So it's from a yards per route run standpoint, those four guys actually had a really high impact. And the, the reason yards per route run is nice is because we look at yards, but we don't look at the context of how many times did they run routes. You look at Romeo Dobbs, three targets, two receptions, 27 yards, and go, oh, wow, whoop-de-doo. Okay, well, how many times was he on the field running routes? The answer is only 13 times. Or how about Christian Watson? Three targets, three receptions, nine yards. Well, that sucks. Well, he ran uh, seven routes, so it still puts him at 1.29. You, know, you say Alan Lazard had a better day because he had, you know, two targets for 13 yards and a touchdown. Well, he ran 26 routes, so not so positive that that's the case. Just saying. And then another little interesting nugget. Three of our players had an average depth of target that was negative, which is to say, on average, they were targeted behind the line of scrimmage. Tunyon, negative 0.5. Dobbs, negative 0.7. Christian Watson, negative 3.3, because, you know, for obvious reasons. By the way, I think the way the, the reason they're going to keep leaning into that Christian Watson thing is because of how fast he is. I keep harping on that 20 miles an hour going laterally, but I think that really, really stresses the defense. You know, I mean, you got guys like Roquan, who as much as I pick on the guy, he's certainly a fast linebacker, 
but you know Tampa's got some fast linebackers too. But I mean, you really got to get on get on your horse if you're going to chase Christian Watson to the sideline. And the problem is, if we're only going to give it to him once every three or four times that he's actually running in motion, once every four or five times, I don't know. You're, uh, I mean, you, you're you're basically just guessing. And again, it's really just trying to force them to cover so much ground. And it's just that little bit of hesitation. And the offensive linemen, from what I can tell, are really doing a very good job. I know things are kind of sloppy, especially with pass blocking. Just certain guys are getting through and whatnot. But one of the things I feel like I never really saw very good was the run blocking being so complete. Not just winning up front one-on-one, but, you know, the full structure of how this is supposed to go with him, you know, pulling and getting through an, an actual gap that exists because those two guys are blocking their guys out of the way. And then you got two guys lead blocking through the hole and they're able to get up to this level or this guy, you know, he gets off his block, gets up to the next level, walls off the linebacker. And it's it's a great job by the offensive lineman to be able to do that, but it's also a great job by, again, guys like Christian Watson just by being so fast and causing linebackers to hesitate to give the offensive lineman that extra second to get up there and reach him, which is helping to spring guys like Aaron Jones for these massive games that he's been having. Um, something I've never actually done before, but just for fun, let's do it. Let's look at the wide receivers and their depth. Um, Sammy Watkins, obviously pretty high average depth of target. One target, zero receptions on passes less than 10 yards. Two for two on medium passes for 38 yards, 90.2 overall grade, 118.8 passer rating. And then on deep passes, one target, one reception, 55 yards, 90.8 overall grade. Randall had a 91 grade on a deep pass, which again, usually it's going to be a pretty good grade, especially if you're one for one, because it's going to end up being a high amount of yards, but it was only 20 yards. But the real surprising thing was a 91.3 overall grade on short passes, which you really don't see very often. But two targets, two receptions, 17 yards. 10 yards came after the catch, which is five yards after the catch per reception, and he got a first down. Watson, obviously all three came behind the line of scrimmage, still ended up for nine yards, but that accounts for 19 yards after the catch. Because it's nine yards, but he's starting behind zero. So 6.3 yards after the catch per reception. So he got three yards per reception, but that's kind of misleading. It's really 19 yards gained over three catches, which is more like 6.3 yards after the catch per reception. But he also had two missed tackles forced on that, which is surprising because it seemed like first contact, he just got lit up, but there you go. Lazard was 0 for 1 on deep passes. Uh, It was a contested catch opportunity and he did not get it, so 59 overall grade. His other two passes were short passes, 0 to 9 yards, 2 for 2 for 13 yards, and a touchdown, 90 overall grade. I'm sure the touchdown had a lot to do with that, but also two first downs. So they're counting the touchdown apparently as a first down, as was the other one, which obviously is important. Only 0.5 yards after the catch per reception, so not a big day for him after as far as yards after the catch. Jones had two behind the line of scrimmage. Another pretty surprising thing, 92.7 overall grade behind the line of scrimmage, which is crazy. But two for two for 23 yards and a touchdown, but 30 yards after the catch, 15 yards after the catch per reception, 11.5 yards per route run on plays behind the line of scrimmage, which is crazy. He added two missed tackles forced and two first downs on that. That's wild. Two plays that start, you know, a yard and a half behind the line of scrimmage end up getting 30 yards in two first downs. Uh, his one intermediate catch for 15 yards was one for one for 15 yards. Again, 90 overall grade. Three yards after the catch, it was a contested catch. So he's one for one on contested catches and as a first down, obviously. Romeo is 0 for 1 on short passes, so a 59.8 overall grade, but two for two behind the line of scrimmage for 27 yards, 30 total yards after the catch. 
Tunyon one for one behind the line of scrimmage, but only two yards. He got a 61 overall grade on that. Short passes, though, one for one for nine yards. He got a, they gave him a 90 overall grade on that one reception. And then Dylan, both of his passes came on short passes. He was one for two for six yards. Got three yards after the catch. Average depth of target was 3.5 yards. He did get one contested catch, which is great, but just a 64 overall grade on that. As far as matchups, Sammy Watkins absolutely destroyed Kyler Gordon, which might play into why Sammy had the day that he did. Um, All four of his targets came against Kyler. He caught three of them for 93 yards. Romeo uh, caught two passes, one against Kendall Vildor, one against Kyler Gordon. Aaron Jones caught three against three different guys, Kyler Gordon, Nicholas Murrow, and Jaquan Brisker. And everybody just baptized Kyler. Everybody took Alan Lazard, three targets, all against Kyler Gordon. Two of them were caught for 13 yards. Christian Watson, three against three different guys. Jalen Johnson. Now, Bears fans will say that nobody caught a pass on Jalen Johnson. That's probably fair considering it was behind the line of scrimmage. It's unfair to say that we caught a pass on Jalen Johnson, but that was the only one where he got a bunch of yards. So I'll have to go back and watch that one and see. But their their claim to fame is that Jalen Johnson has not had a single, has not given up a single pass all year. But anyways, uh, Jalen Johnson was the one that he actually caught and ran for several yards. The other one was Eddie Jackson and then Kyler Gordon. Randall Cobb, three targets, one against Roquan, two against Kyler Gordon. He was two for two for 28 yards against Kyler. That's This is crazy. A.J. Dillon, one target, one reception for six yards against Nicholas Murrow. One target, zero receptions against Kyler Gordon. So he didn't catch it, but still, they targeted him against Kyler Gordon. Uh, Robert Tunyon is the only guy that did not face Kyler Gordon. Makes sense he's a tight end, but he was two for two against Jaquan Brisker. So, man, I've never seen a team... It's almost like Rodgers just threw to whoever was standing across from Kyler Gordon. That's just crazy. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. Um, looking at the blocking, how should we do this? Let's do... Do you know John Runyon played left tackle for a snap? And Yash Nyman played left guard for a snap? That they actually... Either PFF just got it wrong and charted it wrong. I would guess they'd have to somebody double-check that because that seems odd. But according to this, they swapped for a play. I don't know. Anyways, let's do the stats first. Left tackle, Yash Nyman, zero sacks, zero hits, two hurries. Left guard, John Runyon, zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries. Again, he is a stud pass blocker. He just he just is. Center Josh Myers also had a phenomenal day pass blocking, which is all I will ever ask of him. Zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries. Right guard Royce Newman had one hurry on the game. And then uh, Elton Jenkins gave up one sack and two hurries. He gave up the most pressures of the day and the only sack of the day. So that kind of stinks, but it is what it is. As far as the individual grades run blocking, none of them really had good run blocking grades, which is surprising. But we saw how much Aaron Jones had to kind of ad lib out there. And we also saw A.J. Dillon get basically popped in the backfield pretty repeatedly. So I don't know that I massively disagree with it, but who knows? I do plan to go back and and look at the offensive line and and the run plays and everything for fun. Probably make a video about it. But the highest graded run blocking grade was Yash Nyman with a 65, Josh Myers 65, Runyon with a 63.9. Then you come down to Elton Jenkins 59.7. And then Royce is at the bottom with a 51.5. Fortunately, though, they all had good pass blocking grades with the exception of Elton. Um, We'll start from the bottom going up. Elton Jenkins with a 50.7 overall grade. Royce with a 71, which, again, he had a 49 overall grade. But I, I'm sorry, if you had a great pass blocking day and a subpar run blocking day and they said you had a bad grade, I just disagree. Just on principle. 
He was a great pass blocker and a bad run blocker. Oh, so he had a great day. Period. He kept the quarterback clean. Um, Yash Nyman, 75.1 overall grade. And then Josh Myers with an 82.3 pass blocking grade and John Runyon with an 86.0, which, I mean, that's just becoming John's bread and butter. By the way, Josh Myers' highest pass blocking grade he's ever had. In fact, he's only had two good games ever, and that was week one and week two as a rookie. After that, he was pretty bad, 52-52-60 in a game that he didn't play. So in the games that he actually played, 52-52, 48-48. So after weeks one and week two, Josh Myers was just terrible last year. Now, granted, um, you had a bad week three and four, and then he was out week five and basically week six. I don't know why he played four snaps. He didn't come back until week 18 against Detroit. And then, uh, you know, so those those two games were subpar. But started off with a 55, which is kind of just starting where you left off, which isn't great. But then you get a 64 overall grade, which isn't much, but it's a heck of a step in the right direction. But to see that 82.3 pass blocking grade, I hope he can keep it up because we need Josh Myers to be better than he was last year, to be better than, than just, you know, he's been. And this was a significant upgrade. It is the Bears, and next week is going to be a heck of a test, but still. I will take that. Um, other notable grades, non-offensive linemen. Uh, Mercedes Lewis had the fourth highest pass blocking grade at 72.8. Tyler Davis was also at about a 70. Josiah with a 69.4. Aaron Jones with a 68.8 as far as pass blocking. So again, the entire team did a good job pass blocking with the exception of Royce. Uh, run blocking, it wasn't all bad. Sammy Watkins, 71.7 run blocking grade. Again, that's kind of his jam. As I said, he might even be better than Lazard in that. Lazard is kind of similar to um, Mercedes Lewis, where we just assume the guy is the best in football, but I don't know that he was all that great last year. Same with Mercedes. It's like, oh, we just know that he is. And sometimes he doesn't have great years blocking, and it's like, oh, he's just, he's super elite. And it's like, well, kind of had a bad year, but okay. But um, A.J. Dillon was second, not surprisingly. And then Mercedes was third. So you had Sammy, A.J. Dillon, and Mercedes Lewis were the three top run blockers that were sitting at about a 70, and then everybody else was below that. Before we go to break and start looking at um, the defense, I want to look at kind of where people stand overall right now. I know it's early, but it's just it's interesting. Aaron Rodgers currently the seventh highest graded passer in the NFL, seventh overall also. Again, Kirk Cousins, though, is is up here with his one game. And I don't know if I can. In fact, Ryan Tannehill and Jalen Hurts are also on this list. I'm guessing Jalen had a good grade, so he probably stays up. Tannehill and Tennessee, I don't know how Tannehill did, but Tennessee was garbage. So it's possible two of these guys drop, which would put Aaron Rodgers in the top five by the conclusion of week two. Um, otherwise, we have Josh Allen, who I'm assuming is going to stay up there. Again, Jalen, I think, will stay up there. Oh, you know who? Oh, it's Flacco, even through two games. What uh, What the heck? He's been great in both games, too. So I don't know. I don't expect him to stay ahead of, of Rodgers, but we'll see. And then Kyler Murray, who I think very possibly is going to stay a very good quarterback. Um, you know, I, I said about Kyler Murray, if I if I may, two things that I said. Number one, watch out for the Dolphins. Now, Colin, I didn't watch the game. Colin Coward said he Tua really wasn't that impressive. He threw to wide open guys. The, the defense just collapsed and guys were wide open. He was able to throw it to him. Several of those throws were even underthrown. Okay, fair enough. But still... Miami as a whole, watch out for him. Kyler, though, I know Kyler's like a walking joke right now because of all the study habits and all this nonsense. There was also a video of him like getting slapped, which was goofy and weird. It took me a while to figure out what I was even watching. Like, why are we watching a slow-mo of him hanging out, celebrating? Why is he yelling at random people that he's celebrating at? Because a Raiders fan popped up and smacked him in the mouth. Anyways, year one, he was a really good runner, but a garbage passer. Last year, 
He was one of the best throwers of the football in the entire NFL, but he sucked as a runner. Again, I think one of the hardest things ever is to be a, a good dual threat quarterback, and almost nobody can do it. And even the ones that can, I don't think they do it very often. I think like Pat Mahomes was a really good dual threat quarterback for what, like two years? Now he's sort of like Rodgers. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, if, if, if it breaks down, fine, but it's, it's not really my jam. Lamar is not a good dual threat quarterback because he's just, he's just not. I'm sorry. He's a great runner. He's not a top 10 or 15 passer. What I said about Kyler, though, is if he could tie year one and year two together, he's going to be the best quarterback in football. Because, I mean, it's just, it's such a lethal thing. If you can be a top five passer and an elite runner with your legs. Now, passing is still a little bit lacking for Kyler. He's starting to look a little bit more like year one Kyler. But it kind of came together a little bit more in week two. 90 overall passing grade and a 74, or a 74 passing grade and a 90 running grade. So we'll see. I don't know if it's even possible to tie those things together perfectly to be an elite passer and to be an elite runner. It just feels like it's it's beyond human capabilities. But if he can pull it off, man, he's going to be scary. But anyways, we'll call Rodgers either top five or close to it. Um, looking at our wide receivers right now and as far as where they rank, um, for context, just so we're clear, Christian Watson was dead last last week. So if, he, if he's even above that, he's climbing the ranks, obviously. But... Um, Randall Cobb is ranked 23rd in the NFL. Sammy Watkins is ranked 39th. Romeo Dobbs is ranked 51st. And Christian Watson is 85th out of 90. Now, again, he had a terrible week one and a much better week two. So he's, you know. But to be clear, 88th is Darnell Mooney. Juju Smith-Schuster is one spot ahead of Watson. A.J. Green, George Pickens is three spots ahead of Christian Watson. So he is not doing well. But, you know, it's week two. We'll give him time. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I see sitting here at 69th. But, you know, we don't have anybody emerging as a, a top receiver. There's still plenty of time for that. In fact, if, if Sammy has just one more really good day or even Randall, then it's very possible they end up at the top or near the top. But uh, Randall Cobb is nearly top 20 right now. Sammy Watkins just outside of the top 32. Again, top 32 would be what you would call number one wide receivers in terms of talent and ability. So as much as it's sad because we don't have that guy that's like top three, like Devontae, like we've had for so many years, we technically have, just based on grade so far, a number one in Randall Cobb and a high number two in Sammy Watkins. Now, it's a little bit distorted because neither of these guys have had any snaps, but the reason that you haven't seen very many targets is because we distribute the ball so much. So there isn't a Cooper Cup with 29 targets or a Tyreek Hill with 25 targets or Deontay Johnson with 20 targets. Jalen Waddle, 24, Garrett Wilson, 22, Devontae Adams, 21. We don't have that. By the way, Jamar Chase is one spot ahead of Randall Cobb right now. Now, if you sort it instead of receiving grade as overall grade, you've got a bunch of three right at sort of high number two. Randall Cobb, 36, Sammy, 38, and then Romeo is 44. Sorting by a couple other stats, interestingly enough, yards after the catch per reception, we got three guys near the top. Not surprisingly, it's our three dynamic athletes, which is a reason to get excited for this team. Unique athletic ability is on Green Bay. We just have to figure out how to make it work, right? This is sort of the Debo Samuel, Traylon Burks, um, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown kind of thing, right? It's, it's you got the ball, now what are you going to do with it? Ranked 17th overall is Romeo Dobbs with 6.3 yards after the catch per reception. Sammy Watkins, 7.5 yards after the catch. Uh, ranks 12th. Christian Watson is tied for 7th at 8 yards after the catch per reception. 
Yards per route run, Sammy Watkins ranks 21st. By the way, you know what I'm not seeing at the top of any of these lists are Chicago Bears. <laughs> I thought they had a better wide receiver group than we did. What's going on, man? You know, it's hilarious, too. They, they talked all that trash about how their wide receivers were better than people thought, and Mooney is this elite wide receiver, and it's clearly better than the Packers have. Right now, and you'll find out tomorrow, they all, all they want to talk about is next year's crop of wide receivers and guys that we can maybe still bring in. It's one clip that's pretty funny. It's I don't know what I'm going to actually play because I have too many clips to play them all, but somebody was like, oh, maybe we can go out and get a guy like uh, like Odell Beckham, and somebody chimed in. They're like, yeah, he ain't coming here. <laughs> uh, longest receptions. Sammy Watkins is sitting at ninth right now with his 55-yard reception. Contested catch percentage, there are um, 15 people that are at 100%. Granted, some of them are one for one, but one of those guys is Mr. Romeo Dobbs. So how about that? Yes, he's a one-for-one guy, but you know what? When you're only one of like 15, you know, I'll take it. Missed tackles forced. Um, Christian Watson is tied for 11th. Technically, it's like fourth because it's there's only three numbers higher, but two missed tackles forced. And again, if you look at that on a per-snap basis, he's obviously quite high, which is a problem with a lot of these. I mean, uh, most of the time, you're going to have to look at per-snap or something because the Packers are just not getting a lot of targets, receptions, etc. to to get the numbers to be on a lot of these lists, you know, like first downs. Well, it's hard to get 15 first downs when you've been, tar- you know, when you run nine routes in a game, you know. Anyways, overall, looking at running backs, um, highest running grade in the NFL right now is Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon ranks eighth. Even with a, a slightly down week, he's still eighth overall. So we have two top 10 running backs just in terms of running grade. If you look at overall, which includes receiving and blocking, Aaron Jones ranks number two. A.J. Dillon ranks number four. So picking up right where we left off. And again, all the hate about this stuff. Once again, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are top five. Dalvin Cook is lower than both of them. Montgomery, even after last week's game, is... I don't even know where he is. He ranks 37th right now. I, I want to see the grade that he got, because I'm guessing it's going to be low, and Bears fans are going to lose their mind. He got a 73 overall grade. I'm not even putting that on Twitter. I'm not even going to do it. That's going to cause so much stress. <laughs> It's going to be funny for like a second, and then they're just going to keep blowing me up, and I'm just going to get annoyed. But anyways, I've, I've already got somebody complaining about the A.J. Dillon thing. Well, he only had three some odd yards per attempt. You think they don't see that? They literally wrote 3.8 yards per attempt over two weeks, three spots away from their 79 overall grade. So what? Maybe it's because the grade doesn't just correlate to yards per attempt. It's entirely possible. I mean, DeAndre Swift has 10 yards per attempt after two games and is not number one. Number one is Nick Chubb at 5.8. Why isn't Aaron Jones? It should be. Let me just sort by yards per attempt. Here are all the best running backs in the NFL. DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Khalil Herbert, Saquon Barkley, Mark Ingram. To be honest, this is exactly how some people would sort this. This sounds correct. Brees Hall, uh, who has a 57 overall grade, would be ninth. Mark Ingram with a 49 overall grade would be seventh. It's not just that. There's more to it than that. And if, and if you don't trust the you know, PFF to give you the nuance. I don't know what to tell you. What do you, what would you like to do? Because you can't say that this doesn't count because PFF is stupid and that there's nuance and they don't understand the nuance, but neither do you because you didn't look at it and you're just giving me yards while I watched it live. So what? So did I, so did everybody. PFF watched it live and graded it live and got the live reports. And then they went back over it with a fine tooth comb and watched every... It's the same thing we did with Zach Tom, but from the opposite perspective. Said the guy was elite and dominant, and PFF came out with a grade, and everyone's like, that's stupid. There's no way. You know what? I went back and watched it. I made a whole video on it. The guy was not good. 
We thought he was because we thought we saw him, even though we obviously were emotional in the in the moment of a game. We're not staring at Zach Tom, just like we're not staring at A.J. Dillon all the time. We just saw A.J. Dillon not break free for 20-yard passes and go, this guy sucks. At least that's what at least one guy did. Because apparently we think if you're a good running back, you just magically force holes to appear to run through, and you just run through them, and you're a great running back, and that's just how that works. Come on, guys. Come on now. I'm, you know, listen, I'm, I'm all for being a realist, but don't just rain on people's parade and have no idea what you're talking about. PFF is stupid. A.J. Dillon hasn't been that good. Show me your notes. Show me your grades for every single one of his snaps. If you can't do that, shut up. Because PFF can. And if you can't, then you're irrelevant. Shut up. NFL Plus is not even that expensive anymore. It's like 80 some odd bucks. Go pay for it. Go back and watch every single snap. Give me your notes and I'll go back and compare with you. There's probably some that you and I would agree on that PFF saw differently. But here's the other problem. I don't really trust myself or you over PFF. But, you know, agree to disagree, I guess. But the point is, largely, if you're not going to go watch it, then I don't care what you have to say. It's amazing to me that people who saw it live in a very emotional state two days ago think that their recollection of what they saw, and by the way, 90% of what the guy did, they weren't watching, either because it was off the camera or because you're looking somewhere else at, you know, the quarterback, the other person who had the ball on the play. You didn't see A.J. Dillon stand in and block for Aaron Rodgers. You weren't even paying attention. You're looking down the field saying, he's open, he's open. Throw the ball, run, Rodgers, run. So stop being ridiculous. I swear people drive me nuts. Anyways, in addition, pass-blocking offensive lineman John Runyon ranks second in the NFL. The only guy with a higher pass-blocking grade is James Hurst in New Orleans with a 90.9 overall grade. Yash Nyman is fifth. You say, well, that's ridiculous. He hasn't been that good. He's given up three pressures. That's true, he has. But there's, you know, 129 attempts, 73 pass-blocking attempts. He's given up three pressures on 73 attempts. It's kind of a matter of what he does on the other 70. It's the nuance about the 70 you didn't see that makes the difference. Zach Martin, by the way. You know, so you got Evan Brown, who's given up zero pressure. Zach Martin's given up two. We know Zach Martin is, is, is an elite offensive lineman. You know, trying to find the nuance between the difference between zero, one, two, and three pressures. Again, if you just want to sort by pressures, there's, there's no nuance in that. So say any, any small numbered stat is a stupid stat. Interceptions, sacks. Pressure, you know, offensive line and pass rushers sack stats. They're all stupid stats. What I want to know is the nuance of each individual play. And I can't get that when you're looking at 73 snaps and he gave up three pressures. So again, we don't have to like it. But what PFF is saying is, yes, he gave up three pressures. There's the context of those pressures. And there's also 70 other snaps that were graded. What they're telling us is that those other 70 were really quite impressive. Because again, there are opportunities to get beat that don't materialize in a pressure. It's a whole lot of nuance going on. Anyways, Josh Meyer currently ranks 72nd. And again, this is among all offensive linemen. So we got tackles, we got centers, we got guards. So, I mean, if you're, if you're top five, you're like a number one, right? Basically, if you're in the top 160, then you're a starter, <laughs> basically. But uh, Royce Newman ranks 130th pass blocking. Elton Jenkins currently 142nd pass blocking. Jake Hansen, who is not playing for us anymore, um, 172nd out of 175. So that's pretty rough. Highest run blocking grade is Yash Nyman, 72nd overall. Then you got Jake Hansen, 100th. Mace, uh, Josh Myers, 101st. Elton Jenkins, 106th. 
Royce Newman, 124th, and then John Runyon, 135th. Again, this is out of 176, but again, John Runyon is, um, it's not his bag, man. I hope he can improve, but if he doesn't, again, I kind of don't care because he's just a freak pass blocker, and I'll get over it. Looking at overall, and we'll break this down by position, but for right now, and I got running backs in here, darn it, so that kind of threw everything off, but that's all right. Overall, and this is now going to be out of uh, 104 players, Yash is number one, ranking 32nd. John Runyon is 96th. Josh Myers is 108th. Elton Jenkins, 122nd. Royce Newman, 141st. Jake Hansen, 164th. So when you look at it as overall, the offensive line is not looking great. It's just not. Like, we got two good pass blockers. Otherwise, run blocking as well as overall. And by the way, PFF seems to, if you're a, if you're a good pass blocker and a bad run blocker, they're going to give you a bad grade. And again, I just, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't care. But there it is. They're not nearly as impressed with the Packers offensive line as they have been in the past. And I think that's fair. Aaron Rodgers has been under constant pressure. Um, and even this past week, although the running was great, I think the run blocking was maybe not quite as great. Again, Aaron Jones was making magic happen. And I don't think A.J. Dillon, that's his strength. A.J. Dillon is a really good running back as far as following the structure of the play. And if the structure isn't there, then it kind of becomes a problem. But again, I, I do think that the, the, a lot of good things have happened as far as run blocking. I think a lot of people have improved as run blockers. I think they're kind of getting into a groove with that. They've had some really great, beautiful plays where everything kind of goes exactly as planned. And then, you know, some pretty ugly stuff mixed in. Consistency, I would say, is the biggest issue with the offensive line. Anyways, we'll take a break. We'll come back and look at the defense. Again, patreon.com if you'd like to support the, or patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, fertilegroundranch.org if you'd like to check it out. would love it if you would show some support. There are ways to donate on the website. I have links on my Twitter as well as to the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Packers defense follows a similar trajectory as the offense, unfortunately not quite the same. It wasn't as many good, and there were three really bad football players. Fortunately, none of the same two guys as last time, so we'll take that as a win. The three really bad grades with one kind of fairly bad grade. Um, Jonathan Garvin was dead last, 29 overall grade. Jonathan Garvin kind of following in the footsteps of Savage and Amos last week. These are the things I'm referring to as far as needing to clean up. However, he played three snaps, so who cares? I mean, they must have been the three worst snaps in the history of the universe, but it's three reps, so whatever. By the way, similarly, Devontae Wyatt, he's not the next worst, he's the third worst, but He had a 43 overall grade, only played four. So he wasn't even close to being a starter. In fact, none of the four bad grades were starters. TJ Slayton had the second worst grade. He played 14 snaps. It's a relatively high number, but still not exactly a starter. He's a, you know, backup rotational guy. 38 overall grade. And then Jaron Reed, again with the defensive line. We saw this all through the preseason. The defensive line was the absolute worst been hearing a lot of hype about how good these guys are. Jaron Reed is a freak. TJ Slayton is a freak. I mean, we're seeing it from Kenny, but it's kind of Kenny by himself. Dean had a good week this week. We'll get to that. But last week, I think he was pretty terrible. We're just not seeing it. We're not seeing this dominant defensive line, especially against what was supposed to be one of the worst offensive lines in football. So, you know, whatever. Um, the good players of the week, I'll go down to number six, Kingsley Enigbare. Um, in fact, I think that's the second week in a row that he's done that. If I'm not, yeah, 71 last week and a 69.5 this week. So, so far, 75 overall grade. I would guess one of the highest graded pass rushers from the class, but we'll get there. But only four snaps, but still, we'll give him credit for it. Then you've got all starters, Preston Smith with a 70, Dean Lowry with a 73, uh, Quay Walker, third highest graded. So fantastic for him to take a big step. 76.2. Kenny Clark, 78.7. And then not super surprisingly, Jair Alexander with a 78.9. You're wondering how in the world is it so low? He had an 86 coverage grade, but a 58 run defense and a 37 tackling. Don't act like you didn't see him miss tackles in that game. Again, do we really care in the grand scheme of things if Jair Alexander is the top cover corner in football but sucks at tackling? Not saying he does. I'm just saying if that's the case, are we going to be super mad about it? Maybe a little bit when we're getting gashed on the ground, but ultimately, no. No. You go ahead and be an elite corner that can't tackle, and I will get over it. Um, Going specifically through this run defense obviously was the biggest issue. Nobody had a 70 overall grade. The only halfway competent run defender was Dean Lowry with a 67 overall grade. Um, the next two were not even starters. Kingsley with a 63, Jonathan Garvin with a 60. Um, everybody else was below average. Kenny Clark, 59, Jair, 58, Savage, 58, Preston, 55, Quay, 55, Wyatt, 54, Rashawn, 53, Amos, 51, Campbell, 51, um, Jaron Reed, 49, TJ Slayton with a 42, which drives me insane. Your entire purpose on this planet is to be a guy that does not get pushed out of the way and can tackle because you're a massive human being, and he never has good run defense grades ever. 
Eric Stokes with a 33 and Razul Douglas with a 28. Again, don't really care. And no, that big tackle he made in the backfield had nothing to do with that. He has an 81 tackling grade. It's not tackling, and that wasn't a run play, so that doesn't count. Speaking of tackling, massive problem, but not for everybody. Kenny Clark with a 70 overall grade, Dean Lowry 71, Quay Walker 77, and Razul Douglas 81. However, the big issues, Preston 54, Savage 53, Campbell 51, Amos 50, Jair 37, Rashawn Gary with a 34, Eric Stokes with a 27, Jaron Reed with a 25. Again, I'm, it's too early to pull an I told you so, but I mean, I don't get it with Jaron Reed so much. Pass rush, um, kind of a three-man show as far as grades go. Statistics are a separate issue, but Dean Lowry about close to a 70, Preston Smith almost an 80, and Kenny Clark with a 90. That dude, as far as pass rush goes, one of the top in the NFL right now. Um, nobody really bad. 58 overall grade is the worst grade. That was TJ Slayton. Coverage was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, Amos and Savage, the only two that were not phenomenal and um, that we actually care about. The two worst, Jaron Reed and Preston Smith. Yes, I said Jaron Reed. He didn't play any coverage snaps, so I don't exactly understand how he ended up in coverage. That must have been one of those weird accidental things. I don't know. Probably on a, uh, you know, the quarterback rolled out and he dropped or something. I don't know. Doesn't, it doesn't matter. Preston Smith, 61 overall grade. He was in coverage twice. Savage with a 63 and Amos with a 64. I'll take that any day of the week. But then Eric Stokes, 75.5 overall grade, which is great. Yes, we're going to get to the stats in a minute. Devondre Campbell with a 76. Razul Douglas with an 82. Jair with an 86. And Quay Walker, highest coverage grade, 87.3. Now through the statistics, looking at pressures first, guys that tried and couldn't do anything, pretty much nobody. The only one that had any kind of... You got to remember too, the, the Bears threw the ball like never. <laughs> the highest pass rush attempts is only 17. So, and I, I'm pretty sure he threw the ball 11 times. So I'm not sure how you get to 17. I know he had a couple sacks. That I think he had three. I guess there's throwaways and everything else mixed in, but... Point is, there were not a lot of attempts, but um, TJ Slayton was the most five attempts and didn't get home once. Again, you're shooting for between zero and one when you're at five attempts. You don't expect the pressure until you get to around 10. So Gar uh, Slayton, 0 for 5. Garvin, 0 for 1. Devontae Wyatt was 0 for 2. I don't think he has a pressure yet. So though, even though he's not getting a lot of attempts, they're going to start accumulating over time. So you kind of want him to get one eventually. After that, Jaron Reed had one for 14. Obviously not super great. That was just a hurry. Dean Lowry was one for four. He was in primarily on run defense plays, almost entirely. Um, then you got Rashawn Gary. Again, he maybe didn't grade out super well, but the statistics are more than fine. Uh, again, when there's not a lot of attempts, the, the numbers kind of don't mean as much, but three for 17, which is 17.6%. I think he was at like 18 last week, so he's still sitting at that like 18-ish. We'll get the official numbers in a second, but you know, that elite year that very few people ever get and almost nobody replicates, he's kind of on pace to replicate it still. Three of 17 with a sack. And by the way, that's back-to-back. -back. So he's got two sacks in two games, so the sack numbers are already looking significantly better than last year. I guess I shouldn't say significantly. If we play 18 games, that'd be 18. PFF had him down for 12 last year, but it's solid still. Kenny Clark had four pressures on 16 attempts. So that's 25%. And then the number one guy with less pressures than Kenny and Rashawn, but, or, or less pre pass rush attempts, but more pressures, six 
pressures and two sacks on 14 attempts. Let me find out the math on that. That's 43% pressure rate and two sacks. Goodness gracious. So I'm feel here's the thing. I I, I got the one Atotaso in there with Jaron Reed. However, just doing a quick recap, I said I don't exactly know that Jair is going to give us the best version of Jair. So far, 75 overall grade, which is kind of actually not exactly 2020 Jair, but an 81 coverage grade is in between, right? It's better than 2018-19 and what he was starting to do in 2021, but it's not 2020, at least not yet. But the, the point is with these grades, it's all about consistency. If he stays at a 70 every week, it's going to be in the 90s. So he's on track to continue doing what he was doing. Preston's grades are not exactly where you'd want them to be. The run defense and tackling has been quite poor. But as far as pressures and whatnot, through two weeks, he's at 26.8% and two sacks. Now that's going to go down, no question about it, but that's psycho. So my concerns about Jair so far, unfounded. My concerns about Preston regressing, although his grades have regressed, and the run defense is pretty poor. All I really care about is pass rush, as, as stupid as that is, because I know there's more to it than that. If he can keep that up, that's a massive component to what we need on this defense. He's keeping it up. So, so far, so good. Concerns about Devondre Campbell regressing? Um, I would say, again, he's better now than he was prior to us getting him, right? 49 overall grade, 50, 56. He's at a 70. But again, similar to Jair, he's not at that 85 overall grade. But again... Keep this up. Keep the consent. The run defense and tackling has been terrible, which is shocking because that's his bread and butter. 58 and then 51. Tackling is 46 and 51. I don't know if this is just sort of a, you know, I know tackling usually is one of those things. Somebody was talking about this recently where, you know, tackling in today's era is so much worse than it used to be. And a lot of it has to do with just a lack of practice. You know, you, back in the day when you're, when you're doing live tackling two a days and it's just constantly beat into your head. And, and today there's just not as much actual football being played. And then you sit your guys for the preseason and everything. So tackling is one of those things that's garbage early in the season and gets better as it goes on. And that makes sense. The Bears couldn't tackle us to save their lives. We couldn't tackle them to save our lives. We're seeing missed tackles all over the NFL. So we'll, we'll, we'll give these guys some grace. Preston and, and Devondre and guys that usually don't struggle with this are struggling. We'll give them some time. But right now, and we'll get to it, I'm, I'm assuming Devondre Campbell is one of the best coverage corners or linebackers in football already, as is probably Quay. But anyways, uh, what else? Looking at statistics as far as tackling, we, we saw the tackle numbers and the assists, but the missed tackles, Eric Stokes missed, uh, Stokes and Rashawn Gary missed 50% of their tackle attempts. Jaron Reed missed 40%. Um, some of the other guys we care about, Preston was 25%. Amos, 16, so, you know, one in five or something-ish, a little less. Oh, there's four tackles, one assist, one miss. I don't know. Seven. No, six. Doesn't matter. And then the guys with good tackle grades didn't miss any tackles. Kenny Clark, one tackle, one assist, no misses. Dean Lowry, two and two with zero misses. Two, zero, zero for Razul. Three, two, zero for Quay. And, um, and that's it. Stops, again, negative, a tackle that's a negative play for the offense. Preston Smith had five of them. So uh, he apparently missed some tackles, but the ones he made were pretty high impact. Quay Walker, two stops. Eric Stokes, two stops. Rashawn Gary, two stops. Razul, two. Devondre, two. Uh, Jaron Reed, two. Jair, Dean, and Kenny. And Amos, one. I don't think I've ever seen that many stops before. That's 21 stops. Jeez. Coverage, nobody was targeted more than three times, which is a victory in and of itself. Quay Walker, three targets, two receptions, 21 yards, and a pass breakup. 
Devondre Campbell, three targets, two receptions, 14 yards. Eric Stokes, two targets, one reception, nine yards. Jair, two targets, one reception, 30 yards, and a pick. Razul Douglas, one target, one reception, negative four yards. You want to know why these every single the lowest graded player out of all of them. Um, and by the way, all the guys that didn't quite have great grades, not one of them was even targeted. So who cares? Everybody that was targeted, the lowest graded was Eric Stokes with a 75.5 overall grade. Two targets, one reception, and nine yards. That was it. Um, I know Jair had more, but obviously he had a pick, and then there's a bunch of other, there's 17 total coverage snaps mixed in there that he was graded on. So th- this is probably the most dominant performance by RDBs that I've, that I've seen. I've never seen every single one of the guys on our defense grade out this well. And, and again, the only guys that didn't grade out super well are guys that didn't get targeted a single time. So they're obviously sitting at 60 because there's not that much to grade. And, and it's above a 60. Darnell Savage was a 63. Where's Amos? 64. So whatever minor things that they did were positive. You know, I don't want I don't want you to see 64 and say they didn't perform well. 60 is baseline. And if you don't do much, but it's slightly positive, they're just going to keep bumping you up these tiny little fractions. And there's a bunch of fractions that added up to, you know, going up. And there's only 17 total attempts. So yeah, th- this was, this is what we've been waiting for from our secondary. There's big questions about the guys up front. The tackling is not there. The run defense is not there. Jaron Reed needs to step up. Uh, De- uh, Devontae Wyatt has done nothing up to this point. Uh, it's a, a very obvious why he's not on the field. TJ Slayton not doing anything good. So the defensive front, and by front, I, I mostly just mean the interior. The linebackers seem to be doing a good job, at least in coverage, and, and Quay's doing a good job in run defense. The edges, you know, again, run defense is kind of a question mark, but I can't ding them because they're one of the most dominant pass rush duos in football. So the only real complaint I have, and it, it is a complaint because we're getting gashed on the ground, is our interior. And 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 right now, Kenny Clark is probably the top five, we'll get to it, pass rusher, <laughs> on the interior. So clean up the tackling a little bit and dude, holy cow. Now again, it's the Bears, right? Terrible wide receiver, really bad quarterback, all that. So I don't know that this is going to happen again, but this is exactly what we've been waiting for. Highest passer rating against was Quay Walker, 86.8. Couple other more detailed things, stop percentage. That's the percentage of a player's run defense snaps where he was responsible for a stop and obviously got it. The highest was Preston Smith, 14.3%, then Jaron Reed, 133 and then it drops to 5.3% for um, Rashawn Gary, who, by the way, <laughs> the second highest average depth of tackle, how far down the field they got before the person made a tackle was one yard. That's Jaron Reed. You know what the best average depth of tackle was? Rashawn Gary at negative five yards. It was just one tackle, but still, that's hilarious. Um, looking at pressures... One of the stats that I think is actually a very good stat that I never really utilize because it's such a, it's just, it's just kind of a fake number, which I usually stay away from those. There's, you know, it's not so much a statistic as it is just kind of a, we add these things, divide by this and come up with a random number. But pass rush productivity is probably a really solid number because all it is, is it's looking at your total pressures, how many attempts you had, and kind of, kind of looking at pressure percentage kind of thing, but also weighting sacks are more important than hits. Hits are more important than hurt. So it gives you more value for a sack, which makes sense. You should. I don't have a good solid grasp on what good numbers are, but here are those numbers. Preston Smith, 28.6. Dean Lowry, 12.5. So just in order, these are 
the best pass rushers based on this metric, which I think is a good metric. And sort of you can you can gauge the gap to see how much better everybody was. But they have Preston Smith, then Dean Lowry at 12.5, then Kenny at 12.5, then Rashawn at 11.8, then Jared Reed at 3.6, and then nothing for Wyatt, Garvin, and Slayton. Pass rush product, uh, true pass sets, which again is just those those one-on-one opportunities. Nothing weird, not play or not, uh, you know, immediate roll out of the pocket type stuff or getting double teamed. Dean Lowry's grade stays about the same. Rashawn Gary's grade goes from a 64 to a 73. So what does that tell us? He's probably getting double teamed a lot. They're doing a lot of things to neutralize Rashawn Gary, but when they don't, 73.7. He got two pressures, one sack, one hurry. So uh, two out of his three pressures came in these situations. His pass rush productivity goes from an 11.8 up to a 30. Um, And his win rate goes from... Uh, 23.5% to 60%. Dean Lowry, by the way, um, again, he didn't have a lot of pressures, only four, but only one time did he have one of these true pass set type things, and he got a hurry. So he has a, a win rate of 100%, so that's obviously not terrible. Kenny Clark actually goes down a little bit, a 90 overall grade down to an 85.5. Preston stays about the same. Jaron Reed stays about the same. So the only real massive impact from this is that they're doing everything they can to neutralize Rashawn Gary. Secondarily, though, it's not doing it's not doing enough. First of all, when so 17 attempts, only five times did he get a clean one-on-one. Of those five, two pressures and a sack. So if you even if you allow him these these one-on-one opportunities, he's going to wreck you for that. So you have to just double team him the entire game, and that's going to open up everybody else. Preston is wreaking havoc. Kenny Clark is wreaking havoc. But you have no choice but to stay in and try to neutralize Rashawn, which is going to limit the amount of things you're able to do. And by the way, this is where the Packers can do things like bringing up an extra guy to force that one-on-one man-to-man. Because when there's five guys, you don't, you don't have the ability to slide protection over anywhere else. You got to just get the guy across from you. Now, that's going to limit our defense. But if you can give Rashawn that one-on-one, it sounds like he's going to reward you. Just saying. And then coverage. The only couple extra little stats here, but the only forced incompletion was the Quay Walker one, his one pass breakup. I'm guessing they're counting that as his forced incompletion. Otherwise, it's in addition to um, snaps per target. Razul Douglas is winning that. 13 snaps for every one target, and otherwise, they're just not throwing at him. Uh, Stokes and Jair are both at 8.5. Devondre Campbell, 5.7. And then Quay, 4.7. So again, that just means 4.7 snaps before he ends up getting targeted. More importantly, snaps per reception. Eric Stokes and Jair go to the top. Why? Because a target doesn't mean a reception. It doesn't mean you're catching anything on them. Hilariously, 17 snaps per reception. Why? Well, there were 17, <laughs> there were 17 snaps in that. But yeah, doing, doing solid work. And then real quick looking at matchups. Again, it's interesting to see that Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker aren't on the same guys. This is two weeks in a row that they've never covered the same person, at least as far as, as the... Um, the receptions that they've given up. But Devondre Campbell seems to be more of the running back and tight end. Quay is covering more of the speedy guys. So Ryan Griffin, the tight end, Khalil Herbert, the running back, and Equinemius St. Brown in the slot. But um, David Montgomery against Devondre Campbell was two for two for 14 yards. Cole Komet 0 for 1. That was ended up being dropped, which is why Bears fans want him cut and they hate him all of a sudden. It's hilarious. Um, Quay Walker, um, his one pass, pass breakup came against Equinemius, which is phenomenal. Khalil Herbert, one target, one reception, three yards. Ryan Griffin, one target, one reception, uh, 18 yards. Jair was uh, Equinemius pretty much the whole game, it seems like. 
Two targets, one reception, 30 yards, and a pick. Stokes was on. Equinemius gave up one target, one reception for nine. Darnell Mooney was 0 for 1 against Stokes. Darnell Mooney was 1 for 1 for negative four yards against Razul. And that's it. That's the whole, that's the whole story, folks. Uh, really quickly, position by position, just kind of to see where our guys stack up. Defensive tackles, as far as overall grade goes, Kenny Clark is ranked 13th. Again, remember, he has a 47 run defense grade. He has the lowest run defense grade of anybody I can see until you get all the way to how far do I have to go? It's not even in the top 50. Nobody in the top 50 has as bad of a run defense grade. Daquan Jones at 57 as a 47.9. I think that's still higher. So you got to go to Morgan Fox at 67 overall to find somebody with a worse run defense grade than Kenny Clark has right now. So why is he so high? Because his pass rush grade is a 90. <laughs> if you sort by pass rush, Kenny Clark has the second highest pass rush grade behind, of course, Aaron Donald. This has always been a race for second place, and Kenny's done a good job the last couple of years of being that guy to be in that second place spot. If you look at total pressures, he's second behind Chris Jones. There are three guys with 10 pressures, John Kaminsky, Kenny Clark, and Aaron Donald. And uh, Kenny Clark has the least amount of attempts. In fact, Kenny has 41 pass rush attempts. Aaron Donald has 66. So it's really not even close. If you look at win percentage, Aaron Donald is number one at 28%. Kenny Clark is number two, 27.5% win percentage. He is dominating as far as pass rush. Again, the run defense has got to get better. But he is he is an elite pass rusher right now. I just I I really think he's feeding off of all this stuff. You know, again, all the attention is on Rashawn. Preston is doing a great job to the other side of him. And he is just destroying people. Now you gotta remember, one of the worst centers in football is in Minnesota, and one of the other worst centers is Sam Mustafer in Chicago. These are two horrific centers. And I don't even know who's the center right now in Tampa. I don't think it's I think they're good centers gone. So he might have a third week of of being able to, you know, cause some problems. But eventually, he's going to find a competent center, and we'll see how he does. But right now, completely dominant. In terms of pass rush productivity, he is um, actually number one. Number one in pass rush productivity, Dean Lowry is fifth. Only 21 attempts, but again, four pressures, two hits, two hurries. Pass rush productivity of, of 10. If you look at true pass sets, Kenny Clark is third. Dean Lowry's 22nd. I, I keep disregarding Dean, but he's actually quite high. Look at this. True pass sets, pass rush productivity. Number one is Kenny Clark. Number two is Dean Lowry. That's crazy. If you look at win percentage and true pass sets, again, one-on-one opportunities. Number one is Dean Lowry. Number two is Kenny Clark. Now, we're talking a very small sample size again. Dean Lowry, we're talking four, but he's won 50% of his attempts. And Kenny Clark is at 47.1% out of 17 attempts. He's winning almost 50% of the time, even through 17 opportunities. 17 times, basically, He's been given one-on-one opportunities, and he's won half of them. Uh, Looking at edge rushers, I see they call Micah Parsons an edge rusher now. That kind of annoys me. I don't like how many pressures he's able to get, considering he's a linebacker, because again, those, and I don't know, maybe he is off the edge more than he's a linebacker. He's, He's very good. I'm not saying he's not good. It's just kind of annoying, because linebackers always have a higher percentage of pressure rate. So if you're blitzing from the linebacker position, you're going to be better than all the edge rushers. But anyways... As far as the grades go, the Packers are really nowhere to be found. And remember, Rashawn even graded out last year as one of the top guys. Right now, nobody's even in the top 50. Yeah, Rashawn Gary is 52nd. Preston Smith is 55th as far as the grades go. So again, the consistency must be a pretty big issue because we know on a very small sample size, they're doing a great job as far as getting those pressures and getting those sacks. But it's obviously an issue of consistency so far. If you look at just total pressures, Preston Smith is fifth right now with 11. 
Rashawn Gary is tied for 16th with eight. So they're they're right up there near the top. And and again, very, very limited opportunities. Preston is at 41 snaps, and we'll get to the percentages in a second, but 41 opportunities. Max Crosby in front of him is at 89, almost more than double. Brian Burns, 60. Miles Garrett, 70. Micah Parsons, 60. Our pass rushers have had no opportunities compared to everybody else. It's very, very low. Even with that, Rashawn Gary is tied for seventh with two sacks. The only people with more, there's only um, six with more. Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Alex Highsmith, and Aiden Hutchinson have three. Khalil Mack and Micah Parsons have four. Makes me happy. Khalil Mack is just tearing it up. And <laughs> he has an 84.6 overall grade, 81.5 pass rush, four sacks. He's just killing it over there. Bears just got rid of him. Oh, yeah, he's washed. He's he's washed up. He's no good anymore. That's a Bears fan's favorite thing to say about everybody that leaves. And it's never true. They never think they're going to be negatively impacted by Hall of Famers leaving their team. And it always is a negative, and they never will accept it. They'll never admit. Julius Pepper, he's washed. He's crap. He doesn't know. Their team got worse. Our team got better. Adrian Amos, he's garbage. He's no good. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix is better. Nope, you're stupid. Brian Erlacher, which I'll never understand that. Oh, he's washed up. He's no good anymore. He's not the same. Their defense collapsed after Brian Erlacher left. Collapsed. Bears fans are silly with this nonsense. Constant, constantly living in fantasy lands. Anyways, digging in a little bit more to the pass rush numbers. Looking at pass rush productivity, Preston Smith ranks third. Rashawn Gary is 13th. Looking at win percentage, Preston Smith ranks eighth. Rashawn Gary is 15th. So they're winning a lot. They're not getting as many opportunities. And again, I think the consistency must be lacking a little bit because the grades overall are are not like what they were last year. But Overall, I'm not massively concerned. It just means that there's they're going to have a lot of positive plays, which kind of sucks. The other team, I mean. But, the, you know, I'll take it for now. Hopefully that gets better. Again, if you look at true pass sets, Rashawn Gary goes from whatever place he was in to 28th. So he's very similar to what the, the, the situation Rashawn Gary or uh, Zadarius Smith was in in like 2020, where his production kind of went down and everything, but he was the most double-teamed guy in football, along with like J.J. Watt. Again, Rashawn Gary, his grades go through the roof. I mean, you know, 28th, but compared to what, 54th? And that's relative. I mean, every, you would expect everybody's grades to go up, but his go up significantly more than everybody else because he's being negatively impacted by the double teams and everything more so than everybody else. If you look at pass rush productivity with true pass sets in mind, Rashawn Gary ranks 11th. Preston Smith is 24th. And then win percentage, how often when you get that opportunity, do you beat the guy across from you? Preston is tied for 9th. Rashawn Gary, 21st. So they're, they're right in there. I can't say best pass rush duo in football. Buffalo seems to be ahead of them. Um, Boogie Basham and Gregory Rousseau are just tearing up the league right now. Uh, Micah Parsons, if we're calling him an edge rusher, and Dante Fowler. I know he's a backup, but still you got, uh, what's his name out there too? So there's, there's a lot of teams that are in contention right now for the, the honors of best pass rush duo, but the Packers are certainly in the mix. And you know what I don't see in any of this are Minnesota Vikings. If you look at win percentage, um, Zadarius ranks 43rd. This is through two games, it says, so they must have gotten the grades out for uh, last night. Where is Daniil? Where is Daniil? 63rd. So, you know. Daniil Hunter, four pressures on 65 attempts. Zadarius seven on 59. So he's got the pressures kind of going a little bit. But um, Daniil struggling, 
struggling. Looking at linebackers, just as far as overall grades go, Quay is 20th and, De- and Devondre is 22nd. So right out of the gate, that's fine. They're both number one linebackers, just overall. Run defense, obviously, is where things are going to go south. Quay Walker ranks 39th, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's obviously not what you want it to be. He's one spot ahead of Patrick Queen, who overall has a 43 overall grade. That's <laughs> his best thing is run defense. That guy continues to just be the worst. He's also two spots ahead of Eric Hendricks. Um, and then, where the heck is our other guy at? Where's Devondre? He's 55th in run defense. Looking at coverage, Devondre Campbell ranks 8th. Quay Walker is 18th. So in coverage, two top 20 linebackers, Devondre being top 10. Um, at corner right now, through two weeks, Jair ranks 9th. Razul ranks 31st. And Stokes, thanks to a bad week one, is ranked 76th overall. Looking at coverage grade, though, which is obviously the most important part, Razul Douglas ranks 4th. It's another guy that I said I was concerned about so far. Feeling good. Jair ranks 5th. 4th and 5th. Stokes ranks 43rd. And again, that was after a pretty bad week one. So, you know, again, it's the Bears. So you're going to kind of get a freebie. But that ain't a bad start. Jair is only one of 20 so far with a pick in, uh, in football. Darius Slay and Jamel Dean, the only guys with two interceptions. Darius Slay, boy, did he get them both yesterday? <laughs> oh, that was a great game. By the way, Mr. Jalen Ramsey, 66 overall grade, 65 coverage grade. So he's just, he's struggling a bit, you know, compared to Jair's 81 overall grade. But I'm sure he's still the best. Nobody needs to worry about it. Um, and then unfortunately, and you know what we didn't do with special teams, but unfortunately we got to do safety very quickly. Not going to go massively in depth, but let's just find out where they are through two weeks. Cause you know, we got to do what we got to do. Darnell Savage. This is out of 79 ranks 74th, Amos 77th. So this is the worst duo, um, aside from Jordan Whitehead and the Marcus Joyner is somehow worse for the Jets. That's crazy. By the way, that's also a very good safety duo. That's very much struggling right now. So that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about it. But again, Savage and Amos, better games week two. So it's going to take them a while to dig themselves out of that hole. You got to have quite a few good games to, you know, when you're down in the 20s, it's going to take you a while to to recover. But there you go. Very, very quickly, because I know we're already going kind of long here, but special teams grades, a couple highlights. Josiah DeGuara with a 78 special teams grade. Isaiah McDuffie with an 81. Really, really solid. The only guys that struggled... Tipa Naliai, 49, Tyler Davis, 45, Shamar Jean Charles with a 49, a 41, and Dallin Levitt, surprisingly, with a 39 overall grade. He had two tackles and an assist. Uh, he did have a penalty, and I don't know what else he did to really tick off the graders, but I thought he... I, listen, that's another one where if, if your whole thing is you kind of suck at this, but once every... I mean, he, he played 15 snaps, and, and how many of them was he actually a gunner? Three of them were kick return. Uh, four of them were punt return. So out of eight times when he's going down to try to tackle somebody, he got three tackles. Call it one and three. I'm more than happy with that. <laughs> I don't know how much he sucks. Maybe it's maybe it's the blocking that he's just horrific at, and we just got to have somebody else come out and do that for him so that he can just go down and tackle people because he is a tackling freaking machine. Three tackles on eight attempts. That's pretty wild. Um, other guys with tackles, Isaiah McDuffie and Razul Douglas were the tacklers. Um, and you also had, uh, again, Tipa, uh, Dallin and Tipa with the assist. So Tipa did have the other assisted tackle on that, as well as a missed tackle. Kick return, Amari with a 55. One uh, kick return for 24 yards. Three punt returns for total of 20 yards. 
He did muff one of the punts, though, so that sucks. 6.7 average yards per attempt on punt returns. Field goal kicking, Mason Crosby, two for two, extra points, three for three. Good, 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 good. As far as across the NFL, we've got uh, two guys that are in the top 50 for special teamers. That's Isaiah McDuffie ranks 47th and Josiah DeGuaro ranks 49th. So even with guys doing as, as slightly competently as they are, it's it doesn't compare. I mean, there, there are guys that have really good special teamers and we just don't have them. I mean, there's guys in the night. There's six different guys that have 90 overall grades on special teams. And that's just that's just filtering out guys that have done it, you know, not a lot. 20 different players with 80 overall and, you know, so that's all right, though. We're, we're at least not the worst in the world. Pat O'Donnell's ranked 26th, which I think is higher than last week, so he's slowly moving up, I think, maybe, I don't know. Mason Crosby's 18th, I'll take it. Cairo Santos in Chicago, by the way, is dead last with a 27 overall grade. Two for four on extra points, are you serious? You missed two in week one? I don't even remember that. And one for one on field goals. Yeah, I know it rained. I'm so sorry that it rained. I know about the the monsoon. I heard all about it. By the way, Robbie Gold, four for four for extra points, three for four on field goals. So I kind of don't care. But yeah, keep telling me about the stupid monsoon. Oh my goodness. Never want to hear the word monsoon again. Anyways, I think we covered it. I think that's about everything. Why don't you guys have yourselves a fantastic day and I'll go about my business. Thank you for joining me. Have a good one. Bye-bye.